This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Ghazala Sharif, Chief Medical Officer of Acute Care, Clinical Excellence and Experience, as well as Corporate Senior Vice President of Scripps Health in San Diego. Dr. Sharif, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Before we jump into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about your background? Sure. My, my path is a a little uh, not straight. I started out with uh, economics as my undergraduate degree at University of Michigan, and then I actually went to medical school at Michigan State, uh, did my ER, emergency medicine residency at Stanford, and then I did a pediatric emergency medicine fellowship at Lady Children's in San Diego. So I'm double boarded in both emergency medicine, uh, adult and pediatrics. Then I went on and uh, was on the academic track, actually writing chapters and traveling and, and speaking across country and internationally as well, and then I took over the emergency department at Rady Children's and had four urgent care centers that reported to me. And then I decided I wanted to go back and get an MBA because the business of medicine is changing. It really is uh, both a business and a calling to the profession. So I got my MBA about 10 years ago. I became the first chief experience officer at Scripps a few years ago. And then in January, a month before um, COVID really started hitting us in the U.S., I uh, was promoted to the acute care chief medical officer. So it's been quite a year. I call it my CMO hazing, but there's some silver linings that we'll talk about today as well. So that's me in a nutshell. Clearly not a straight path by any stretch, but a fun journey along the way. Absolutely. And it sounds like you've gotten some great experiences with several different aspects of the healthcare system. So I'm excited to to learn more about your perspective and where things are headed. My first question is, what are your top priorities today and how do you anticipate they're going to change in the coming year? The top priority is, is the same as it's actually even been, even with COVID, is to provide the best quality and patient experience so that we can, despite what's going on around us. And so what we've started at Scripps, and I call them sprint teams, and this is really emergency medicine training. You know, we, we have traditionally in healthcare organizations spent a lot of time on process and, and, and doing, you know, things the, the lean way, which is great, but we tend to slow things down uh, because of all the, the process steps that we take. And if we've learned anything this last year, it's to pivot quickly, you try fast, fail fast. And so we put together what I'm calling sprint teams around a certain diagnosis or condition that we're trying to improve upon. So we've gone back and looked through all of our metrics, hospital readmission reduction, hospital acquired conditions, and the value-based purchasing program, and really identified the top areas that we need to improve in. Some of these are congestive heart failure readmissions, uh, COPD readmissions, hip and knee, and some of our hospital acquired conditions and put specific and focused sprint teams around each of those topics so that we can look at our process from before the patient even comes into the hospital all the way out through their outpatient care. And so that coordination of care across the spectrum is something we're focusing on, but we're trying things in a much faster fashion than we have before and getting some really good progress as well. In the patient and the patient experience front, we actually had our best year last year than we've ever had in years. And I think that's because we have been very... Uh, careful about communication. We have been determined to communicate very well with our, not only the patients, but with the family members as well. And it's been a dedicated effort, you know, before we would go in and out and answer questions through the day. Now it's very specific, right? And so we go in the room and we answer all the patient's questions as much as we can. We get a hold of the family member. So it's much more deliberate than we have been before. And so to have us have our highest patient experience scores in the year of COVID, where patients weren't even allowed to have visitors, It's pretty remarkable. So I want to make sure that we continue that journey as well and take those lessons forward. 
Absolutely. That's really impressive. As you mentioned, you have your best year in patient experience, really high patient experience and satisfaction scores during this time. And I'm wondering, you know, when you talk about being able to be specific with patients and, and communicate with them, is there anything else that you're currently doing or that you're planning to do to even enhance that experience more? Yeah, I think, you know, we've learned those lessons as far as being deliberative in the conversations that we are having, being going a little slower, making sure we answer all the questions and communicating with family members that aren't there. We definitely had to identify a single family member that was going to be the point of contact. And we used to do that before, but really not as focused effort around that. And that has really helped with the communication efforts. And then we are going to be going to um, bedside approved technology. Some hospitals have done this already. We, we put a pause on ours because of COVID, but that's really the bedside EPIC, which is our electronic health record where patients can actually be more self-sufficient. So say my heating is too, you know, it's too hot in my room, you know, I can ping engineering directly myself without having to go, you know, call the nurse and then the nurse calls engineering. And so that's the bedside integrative platform that we are ramping back up again. So that's continuing on this path of uh, patient experience. And then we put in a, a metric, actually not a metric, an initiative actually a year and a half ago called Everyone Owns the Light different than the no-pass zone, which is what nurses have done typically in the past. You know, that just means if the call light is on, a nurse is supposed to go in there, whether it's your patient or not. We thought that was important to do across the organization. And so it's called everyone owns the light, meaning the call light. And so if you have a Scripps ID badge on and you're walking in the halls and you see a patient's call light on, I have personally empowered all of our staff to be able to go in the room and offer some something for the patient. I mean, think about this. You're in the room by yourself and you see staff walking up and down the hallway. Nobody comes to check on you. And so wouldn't it be nice if somebody popped their head in the door and said, hi, I'm Mike from the marketing department. I saw that your call light was on. Um, How can I help you? And if it's a medical emergency, even more important that one of us steps in. And if it's something simple, like they drop their glasses on the ground, we can certainly help with that. And of course, let the nurse know, but it makes the patients feel much more cared for. So that's another initiative that we want to continue and expand upon. I love that idea and obviously really makes a difference in terms of making sure patients get what they need as soon as they can and as soon as they're able to to get those services. That's fantastic to hear. My next question is, what are you most excited about right now and what makes you nervous? I am very excited about the rate of change that we've been able to accomplish this past year. You know, we've had to pivot so quickly based on CDC recommendations, supply, PPE, you know, vaccines, how many are coming. And so I want to make sure that we maintain that rate of change and that urgency that we had. Now, the sprint teams are a great example of that. There's an urgency for us to improve and improve much faster than we've been able to in the past. So I'm very excited to continue that. My concern is that we float back to the old way of doing things, right, where we process everything to death and then nothing happens. So that is my goal this year is to make sure that we keep that sense of urgency. I'm also worried just about COVID that we go back to being normal too quickly. Uh, People already wanted to have, you know, baseball games, like you mentioned, and and get together in, in person. And we still haven't had the vaccination numbers up high enough yet where we do have that herd immunity. So I worry that we're so exhausted from all of the COVID restrictions that we go back maybe a little too quickly and then we start having outbreaks again, and then we go right back into where we where we just came from, which was just a few weeks ago. We still have eight patients on ECMO right now, which is a heart and lung bypass machine, so we're not out of the woods yet. So I think there's going to be a balance, and let's do this reemerging, as I call it, back into society. Let's go let's go carefully and not not rush things. Absolutely, I think that makes a lot of sense, and I really appreciate you going through that with us. Uh, My last question here is about leadership. Can you share three pieces of advice that you have for aspiring leaders today? 
Yeah, that's such a great, such a great question. And I thought about that long and hard. And I think what I have learned through the years is that you have to be a situational uh, leader, right? And that, you know, that's a common word, but it's true. When we first started with COVID, there was so much fear and so much anxiety and so much miscommunication coming from everywhere, from the county, from the state, from CDC, and everybody was very confused. And they needed someone to really step up and be the leader. You know, here's what we're doing. Here's the why and explain it to them. So sometimes I had to be more directive than I usually am, but my organization really needed that guidance and that strong voice. And then when things started, you know, we started getting into the into the rhythm of things. And then we went back into the collaborative collaborative approach, right? Where we, whatever the policy we were doing, we got leaders from across the organization to give us their opinion. And then we, you know, we did the best we could to get their opinions in and, and then push that out to the organization. But there's different stages of leadership. And I think if you if you choose one style and one style only, uh, you, you are destined to, to fail because not every situation is the same, right? So we also put together a chief medical officer regional group. So I would encourage leaders to to get a support group like that because it wasn't just me making the decisions or giving guidance. I had a whole team of chief medical officers from the region that were supporting what I was doing. And so getting that common voice so you're not out there leading by yourself and uh, nobody else is listening. So uh, that would be the, the first one. And the other thing that I learned and I wish I'd learned sooner was that you've got to let your team try things on their own. And sometimes they come up with things that are even better than I would have thought of had I told them how to do it. And there's a great quote from Thomas Jefferson, which I, I wish I'd learned sooner, but I take it to heart now. And it's, it matters of style, swim with the current. It matters of principle, stand like a rock. And if you think about that for a minute, it basically says don't nitpick people, right? Let them try something. It's a matter of a style. Sometimes they're going to surprise you more than you even anticipated. But if there's something that you really feel strongly about, that's the time to make a stance. Um, you, you can't fight over everything. You know, my nickname used to be Warrior Princess uh, when I was at, uh, at one of my hospitals, and that's because I was fighting for every every single thing. And you got to pick your battle, right? You have to be the, the middle ground and be the voice of reason. So that's the second one. And the one I've learned, I think, and I'm still working on this one, it's a work in progress, is to try and not to take things personally, that you're never going to make everybody happy. There's always somebody that's going to want more from you than you can actually give. And an example of that is testing. We didn't have enough tests. Some of our physicians wanted us to test them every day. Well, I don't have enough tests to test you every day when I have patients that I need to test. And there were some pretty harsh emails and, and phone calls, you know, through this last year, and I, you know, I used to take it really personally, and, and, and I still do, but uh, one of my colleagues came into my office one day when I was having a particularly difficult day trying to you know, reason with people, and he said something that really struck me, and he said, as long as you do the most good for the most people, then that's a good day. And so I try to take that to heart. If you really are trying to do the best for the majority of, of your staff or your patients, they're going to be outliers on either end. They're going to be very unhappy. But that's okay, as long as you can sleep at night and you know that you've done everything with integrity and, um, you know, with, with that ethical and moral compass that we all have. I think that's a great point. I, I love all the points that you made here in terms of leadership. I think being a situational leader, obviously, this past year has really shown us a lot about you know, what is needed at different moments in time from leaders to really guide a, a team and a system. Um, number two, letting your team try things, but if you feel strongly about them, obviously standing firm. And number three, not taking things personally and really just being able to do the most good for the most people and considering that a good day. I think all of that is fantastic um, and really a great way to set your mind and, and get ready for a leadership role. 
The last thing I wanted to touch on really quickly before we end the podcast here is some of the things that you're doing for the Scripps Pride Week, just to make sure that employees and everyone within the system feels uh, celebrated during during that week. Could you talk a little bit about some of the things you're doing there? Sure. And, and I mentioned it's a Scripps Week. It's actually turned into a three-week event. So it came about, I was talking to my employee assistant program uh, psychologist. They actually report to me and just wanted to get a pulse of what was going on in the organization. And they are out there with staff, you know, daily. And so they said, you know, there's a lot of, there's a, definitely a, a pandemic fatigue and burnout, particularly in our intensive care units. So I said, well, what can we do? And the idea came from that group to say, can we have a script spirit week, just in, separate from hospital week, separate from nurses week, separate from anything. And just when we start coming out of, you know, that high volume COVID, at one point we had 500 patients in our hospitals that were COVID positive, 138% ICU capacity, which means that we had gone beyond our licensed beds. So they said, when we come out of that a little bit, which is where we are right now, can we do something to celebrate coming out of the, that haze of COVID and, and celebrating our staff? And so that's where the idea came from, from a spirit week. I pulled together leaders from HR, our physician operating executives, from marketing, from the clinics, from the hospital, uh, anything, you know, anybody, the employee assistance program, pretty much everybody across the, the spectrum that I could in, in certain areas. And we just started brainstorming. And in an hour, we had put together a three-week just display of affection and support for each other. So this first week, we just kicked off on Monday. It really is the script spirit and back to health initiative. We have our executive chef making just very healthy cooking recipes. We have mindfulness sessions that people can sign up for at all hours of the day, including the evening and the weekend. We're having a, uh, everybody's wearing green today, but we're also having a script spirit project contest, which means that each of the sites get to, you know, make a project and have their own site competition. And then that goes through sort of a March Madness <laughs> thing where, you know, the top 16 get in and then the semifinals and the finals. And then myself, my CEO and my colleague on the outpatient side are going to judge the contestants. And the top four winners get a, a visit from our holistic medicine team at their site and a big, huge three foot trophy for the and bragging rights for the year for winning the, the project. And then a the very last week is called Scripps Remembers and Pays It Forward. You know, we took care of a lot of patients. We had over 800 patients who actually died from COVID, and we wanted to take a moment to remember them and to do something to, to pay things forward. So we have a blood drive going every day. We have an employee food drive, and then we have an online journal where people can write in and talk about their experiences for the year and really share with each other. And then one of the days, everybody's going to wear some scripts attire just to show our, our spirit. So uh, it doesn't have to be expensive, right? These are all ideas that came from, from some of the frontline people just to show a uh, show of support. So you don't have to buy expensive gifts. It's really about the camaraderie that's important. So uh, my command center filmed a video just yesterday on the theme of Scripps Health Bunch with the Brady Bunch song, and, and that's gotten a lot of hits on, the, on our uh, internet as well. So silly things just to show that we are all human and uh, we appreciate all of our staff and, and physicians who have really stepped up this last year selflessly, right? They put themselves, uh, their families at risk sometimes, right? Uh, just to be at the hospital. And so we wanted to give them something special to remember. That sounds like a fantastic idea and a really fabulous few weeks in order to celebrate uh -huh. everything that the teams have gone through. And then, as you mentioned, remember those who have suffered during the, the pandemic and lost their lives. Thank you so much for joining the podcast, Dr. Sharif. I really appreciate you being here and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. 
My pleasure. Thanks for having me.